Final preparations are underway in Vanuatu ahead of Thursday's snap election. And, you know, hearing that from a child, uh, a child's perspective, that really encourages us that we need to put more of our stories out there. Indigenous Solomon Islands and Pacific storytelling is to be celebrated on screen with the return of the Native Lens Film Festival in Honiara this month. Final preparations are underway in Vanuatu for this Thursday's snap election. The official campaign period ends at midnight tonight local time, that's Monday the 10th of October. RNZ Pacific understands there are a number of former prime ministers in the running, with a high probability that a coalition of parties will again be needed to form government. The snap election was triggered by a dissolution of parliament, declared on the eve of a no-confidence motion being moved against the caretaker Prime Minister, Bob Lothman. RNZ Pacific reporter Lydia Lewis spoke with our correspondent in Port Vila, Ilea Bulle, about the election preparations. It is the final date for the electoral campaign. The campaign will officially close at uh, today at uh, 12 o'clock or midnight uh, tomorrow. There are over 300,000 registered voters who will go to the police station uh, on 13 uh, October. 300,000 voters expected. How many uh, staff have been trained and prepared to assist? Yes, uh, uh, the uh, the, the electoral office, uh, it is a small office in Pofila, but during the uh, election day, it's become a, a very important uh, office in the, in the country. But uh, they have uh, uh, throughout the country, they have uh, they, they have uh, a local administrator who help uh, uh, in the logistical support for to run uh, the election. So already uh, during the weekend, uh, they have uh, shift uh, about uh, eight to ten million uh, ballot paper to the uh, 18 constituency throughout Vanuatu. Uh, sorry, Ma- sorry, sorry to pause you there. How many um, ballot papers and how many have been sent to how many constituencies? Uh, well, uh, the chairman of the electoral uh, commission confirmed on uh, last Friday that uh, there are eight to ten million ballot papers that they they they, they have to send to to the eighteen polling stations throughout the country. How is that going? Are there fears that it's not going to be completed in time before the snap election? Uh, the, the printing already ends uh, during the weekend. On Saturday, they, they send uh, the, the ballot boxes and ballot paper for the uh, polling station uh, in uh, New Caledonia, French uh, territory of New Caledonia. As you know, uh, the polling station of New Caledonia uh, in Numea uh, is part of the... Uh, Police station of Port Vila. People, uh, the Nivanuatu who reside in uh, New Caledonia, they vote in the constituency of Port Vila. Are there any fears uh, that vulnerable people um, are going to miss out? And what work is underway to support elderly and people who may struggle to get to polling stations? We have uh, currently uh, in Vanuatu, we have uh, uh, an aircraft from Australia who dispatched the uh, ballot uh, boxes and, uh, and the roll, roll call to, to, 
the island like uh, they have uh, international airport like uh, Tana, uh, Pendigos, Ambai, uh, Malakula and Santo and the other isolated uh, area in the country uh, uh, the uh, two helicopters they are now based in the capital to to, to deliver the uh, uh, ballot boxes and uh, also the the, uh, the material to run the election on 13th of this month. The uh, chairman of the Electoral Commission told us last Friday that the, 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 uh, the aircraft and the two helicopters uh, has been uh, in the country and uh, uh, it is provided by the uh, Australian government. And where are they flying to? They're uh, flying to all, all constituencies in Vanuatu where the, uh, the, the areas that are not accessible by truck or by uh, ship, they have to, to to deliver by helicopters. And the Electoral Commission has also announced officially that on polling day, everybody will have the day off work. Can you please explain more about that? Yes, uh, normally every every general election, it is a, it is a public holiday, and even provincial election and municipal election, it is public holiday in the country to give time for the people who are uh, working to go to the pool to, to cast. Because they were mainly in uh, in the Port Vila, also in the, uh, Luganville, the second town of uh, Vanuatu, and uh, the uh, main centre of, uh, of 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 uh, Vanuatu in the provinces. It will be a public holiday for them to go to to give them them a time to go and cast their vote. For some people, does it take a long time to get to the polling stations? Yes, uh, in, in in the island they have to to work uh, more than one hour to 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 go to uh, police station where they are listed to vote. It is not it is, it is not uh, uh, easy, but uh, they have no choice. They have to to work to to cast their vote. What happens for elderly people? I mean, if someone is you know eighty, ninety years old and can't walk that hour, what happens? Uh, we have a system we call it uh, proxy. They can they, they can. Uh, Cast their vote, they can vote through a proxy. Where spe- specifically do people have to walk more than an hour? Uh, it depends on the access by truck. For example, you, you take you know, Santo, Santo, where, where the big part of Santo, they, 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 they can only have access by, by ships. So it will take them many, many hours to, to, to walk, to, to, cast, to, to vote in the, in the police station, and also Malakula and uh, uh, you eastern eastern part of Pentecost can only be accessed by by ship. People have to put to put hours to to, to reach the police station. Thank you, Thomas Ilebule and Lydia Lewis. They're talking about preparations for this Thursday snap election in Vanuatu. Joining me now to talk a bit more about the election issues around this snap election is Dr. Tess Newton Kane, senior research fellow and the project leader for the Griffith Asia Institute Specific Hub. Tess is a citizen of Vanuatu and former long-term resident of Port Vila. She's now based in Australia. Welcome back on Pacific Waves, Tess. What are your thoughts on the election issues being discussed in Vanuatu in the lead-up to polling day? Yeah, so as you say, the elections will be on Thursday, so it's very much into the, the home straight. We've seen the, the candidates finalised. We know that campaigns have been ongoing. Um, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bit hard to know exactly... Given that it's a snap election, I guess everyone's kind of had to press go on things at fairly short notice. So there hasn't been, um, maybe there hasn't been as much media coverage as there would have been otherwise if there was a longer period. Um, but we do know that, uh, you know, that the, the, a number of a number of former prime ministers running, a number of people who've already had uh, parliamentary experience running, both as independents and also 
within the established parties. Um, and so I guess, yeah, we just now have to wait and see how things go on Thursday. We know that they've all, you know, the, the logistics has kind of swung into action with um, ballot boxes being dispatched around the country. Interesting item in the news over the weekend about the unavailability of the um, the patrol boat, which would normally play a very important part in transporting of ballot boxes because of ongoing problems with that boat. It's, it's still out of service. Um, so that's um, obviously made a bit of a hole in the planning. But I understand that the Australian government has provided some alternative logistical support to the Electoral Commission. So, yeah, obviously a very busy week for that team of people in order to get this across the line, um, as we would expect in Vanuatu, sort of fairly smoothly and safely. And I guess this time this time next week we'll be thinking about the results. Yeah, and um, we've seen some um, quite, quite an active um, media releases and announcements from the Commission. One of, one of the more recent ones, they've raised issues of getting reports of vote buying and he's um, uh, the chairman of the Vanuatu Electoral Commission issuing a stern warning to voters uh, not to accept cash to buy votes. Uh, this sort of uh, out the gate, is this is this sort of expected in terms of past? I know like speaking from Solomon Islands uh, election sort of point of view, that's always at the forefront, but i um, not not heard it so publicly stated in Vanuatu before in, to my memory. Yeah, I mean, I think what's, in, you know, the, the commissioner has said there have been reports, as in he's heard, you know, there's been talk, talk about this. But as far as I'm aware, there haven't actually been any complaints lodged yet, either with the commission or with the police. And the commissioner was at pains to say that if anybody was aware of this happening, that they should make a, a formal report because it is an offence under the Act and it can lead to results being deemed, um, you know, invalid. So, uh, you know, I think, as the media said, we, we've kind of heard these reports and these rumours previously in relation to elections. As you say, I think it is a bit of a change for the Commission, the, the electoral people, to be quite so on the front foot about it. There have been, you know, there have been a number of strange rumours flying around about, you know, you know, some, some, you know, I heard someone, and this really is kind of like cover bar talk, is, you know, about an African prince who's been... You know, you know, funding various political actors, but again, it's very hard to pin it down as to what is actually happening. I think the the main issue there is that the commission wanted to make it very clear that this is a, an offence under the Act, and that if people, you know, people should report it if they're aware of it. So, I think there's always been, I think there's always been an element of money politics in Vanuatu. It's not as um, entrenched as it is in places like Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea. Um, but it's certainly always been, you know, in the mix to an extent. Now, for our listeners who aren't aware, this this snap election is caused by a dissolution of parliament on the eve of a motion of no confidence in the prime minister. Are we seeing uh, that reflected in the candidates that have come through the final candidates list? And, and what, who are the sort of the front runners, big players in this election to watch? Well, as you know, Karoi, uh, Vanuatu politics is, is wildly unpredictable and you know only only idiots make predictions about what is or isn't going to happen but certainly you know we have seen some fallout from that whole issue around the motion of no confidence and the dissolution of parliament in terms of who is and isn't being stood as as particularly by the parties who is or isn't being stood as 
candidates. There's been some uh, there's been some friction in some of the parties with people that have previously stood as a party as a party member. So Joe Nassman, for example, stalwart of the VP, but is now standing as an independent because he wasn't his name wasn't endorsed. Um, by whichever body was supposed to do the endorsing. As I said, we've got, I think, six former prime ministers standing. Possibly, you know, a notable among that among them are Serge Bahor and Moana Kassaz, both of whom um, had previously been convicted by the Supreme Court in relation to a corruption, a bribery scandal in 20, 2015 um, and had been barred from standing for 10 years, but then subsequently were pardoned by the previous president and so are now eligible to stand. Um, so, that you know, that it'll be interesting to see how they go. Both of them have previously had very significant political profiles in Vanuatu. Now, um, uh, in terms of, of nuts and bolts, um, just straightforward uh, single-day polling in Vanuatu, is it? And just get, give us a brief, brief rundown of the political, I mean, the electoral voting system, please. Well, it's it's yeah. So it's just a single day of polling. So that'll be on Thursday of this week. It has been nominated as a public holiday um, in order for people to vote. That that's something of a double-edged sword. And it, you know, it, there's a there's an ongoing conversation in Vanuatu as to whether that contributes or not to a decent voter turnout. Um, you know, I think again, people have been calling on people not to go to the garden or to the beach, but actually to go and vote on Thursday. Um, the Electoral Commission has been doing a lot of work in terms of getting people registered and making sure that they've got voting cards so that they are they can vote. Um, the and again and the 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 results should come in fairly quickly. So I mean I would think that we'd have pretty much a solid idea as to what the results were by Monday of next week. Um, the counting will will sort of start immediately that the polls close. Um, and then, you know, it really does come down to, as we know with Vanuatu politics, the next step will be, you know, a fair amount of horse trading and negotiation about forming a coalition. It's, it's a long, long time since Vanuatu had a single party government. And I don't think there's any expectation that this will be, that that will change. So we can expect to see a coalition um, of parties, and, and that could be a number of parties plus some independents, as we've seen previously. Uh, backtracking a bit, um, there has been some comment on the uh, on the electoral rolls and uh, the existence mm-hmm. of people who have passed away on those rolls. Um, uh, I was getting a bit um, um, confused about the electoral cards and their use and, and that discussion. Can you just explain a bit of the discussions around that? Yeah, so the electoral roll has been a problem for a while. Um, So we know there are issues with the electoral roll. The electoral roll is not accurate and it's not up to date. Um, And there hasn't, there has yet to be a major, um, a major piece of work around ensuring that that electoral roll is more accurate. Um, The use of voting cards does does assist in that some way. So most generally, people hold voting cards in order to. To, to vote, but if you, if for some reason you don't have a voting card, um, I, you know, my understanding is that you can't be barred from voting. If your name is on the electoral roll, you should be allowed to vote. Similarly, there's been changes around the mechanics of it so that um, it's no longer possible to vote by proxy unless you are out of the country. So, 
you know, if in order to vote, you have to register where you live. You can't say, well, I live in Vila, but I want to vote in Santo and I've given my cousin or my brother the, the proxy. You can only nominate a proxy if you're out of the country. So there, have been, there has been some tightening up of that. Um, but the, the, there is still this kind of structural issue around the electoral roll. And again, this come, you know, given that it's a snap election, if the electoral cycle had been left to run its course, it may well be that the electoral office, which is currently doing a lot of work with support from UNDP, that they may have been able to do some work around that in advance of the 2024 elections. But obviously, all that kind of um, machinery stuff and that, you know, getting the structures and the processes changed has been uh, put on the back burner in order to get these elections out of the door. What what happens, uh, final question from you, what happens to the, the term of parliament with the snap election um, does that for is it four years term? Does that just start from the date of this election and keep that's getting pushed right, up? That's right. Yeah. So we'll so we'll you know so it's, this is twenty twenty two. Assuming that we get a full term, the the next elections will be in twenty twenty six. Thank you so much, Tess. Appreciate your time, and we'll probably be the back to talk to you after we have some results to look at. Okay. Sounds good, Koroi. Thank you, Tomas. Okay. Take care. Thank you, Tomas. Ale. After a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic, indigenous filmmakers and storytellers in Solomon Islands and from around the Pacific will once again be celebrated on screen at the Native Lens Film Festival, which kicks off on the 25th of this month in the capital, Honiara. The homegrown festival was started in 2019 to showcase the works of a growing community of indigenous filmmakers in Solomon Islands. While in Honiara recently, I caught up with filmmaker and freelancer Regina Lepping, who's one of the co-founders and program directors of Native Lens Film Festival in Solomon Islands, along with her twin sister Georgiana. I began our interview by asking where the idea for the festival all started. My, my twin sister and I, we both started it, and it comes about from, you know, after we were looking for a platform to screen our stories, uh, native original stories here in Solomon Islands, especially like, you know, told from our own indigenous people uh, perspective. And we don't have that platform. So so we created this film fest to allow other uh, indigenous storytellers to have their stories screened, you know, give them a feel of what it's like to have their stories told out on screen and then participate more in, in digital storytelling. And how long has this been running now? Uh, we started it in 2019. Um, that's when we first started the Film Fest. And, um, yeah, so it's like two years now. Um, only um, last year, in t- 2021, we didn't have any Film Fest due to uh, the pandemic. Yeah, but before that, in 2020, um, you know, that was the beginning of, you know, the pandemic. So we didn't really have that social gathering at that time. We, However, we managed to, like, you know, transform a bit with the uh, film fest so we partnered with Pacifica Film Festival where we did uh, island hopping so uh, regional submissions they get to submit the films to Pacifica Film Fest and then we get to screen the submissions so that's what we did and it was pretty new and it was really quick for us to move to that kind of level where we have satellite venues and we started showing the work and then COVID came into Solomon so we stopped from there yeah and is it just Solomon Islands Indigenous, or is it regional Indigenous as well? It's also regional um, Indigenous stories, because um, we wanted to 
encourage Solomon Islanders to see that, you know, if other Pacific Island countries can document their own stories or can tell, tell their own stories in their own perspective, then we can do it too. So, so we, we get some of our submission from the region. New Zealand has been a big support to us. We, we get submissions from um, New Zealand, Fiji, PNG, Vanuatu. And it's very inspiring. It was, it's just like, you know, it's inspiring for us because they're really, they're really happy to see that there's a, nat- there's a film fest here in Solomon Islands and they can tell their stories. And, and our audience get to relate to that story, those stories also. And not just the audience, but the, especially the, the storytellers. So, yeah, we're really happy about it. Uh, this year, what's coming up in, in this year's festival? Dates, um, films? So this year, um, we're having it on 25th to 27th October. Um, we had to confirm the venue. Uh, yeah, but we're, we're looking at a very fun program because uh, this year we opened a new competition, which is Indigenous Storytelling. What does being an Indigenous mean to, uh, to the filmmaker or the storyteller? So we opened that competition and uh, we just feel like it's, it's the right time because, you know, during the pandemic, everyone gets to go back to their home, to their villages, and they experience more of their culture, more um, interaction with the people. So we decided to have that uh, film competition to get them to tell their stories of what it's like living in, in Solomon Islands during the pandemic and then realizing that connection back to the, you know, our, our home and our provinces. So... So we did that competition, and, and we have a lot of interested submissions already. Um, however, uh, we need to extend the date of submission because, you know, it's a bit Solomon time. Aaron's still trying to hit the deadline, and um, we have very interested young people. They're filming, they're um, documenting the stories, and we also support them. Um, my sister and I, Georgiana, we share our camera and some of our tools with the young filmmakers so that they can go out and shoot the film and then we help them in editing and just try to help them um, put the film footage together. So it's a very fun and hectic uh, time but we're really looking forward to it because it's going to be very interesting. I guess in terms of the significance of having our stories told on screen and having our youth, our uh, children see themselves on screen. What, what's, the, what's the importance of having these spaces? It is very important. We were just having a discussion also with one of our local writers uh, from Solomon Islands, and um, she's trying to get local writers to, you know, write about in our, you know, especially like our Melanesian stories also. And we see like that with Film Fest, it really goes together. So we're all going for this goal because it's very important that uh, when we started the Fest Film Fest here in Solomon Islands, many of the young, the, the children that attended the Film Fest, they realized that they can be filmmakers, and that's something they've never seen before. They never thought it would be, it would be like, possible. And when they see that we did a screening, they're like, oh, it's just like a movie theater. So, so having that, you know, hearing that from a child... Uh, a child's perspective that really encourages us that we need to put more of our stories out there um, through film and uh, through writing, especially through, through literature, because that's another thing because we wanted to uh, have more, more children's stories uh, in literature and as well as uh, on the film platform. So that's why we're working closely with Solomon Island Creative Writers Association also to, to tell these stories. Awesome. For people who want to get involved and maybe come and see the festival or help out, um, how can people reach you guys? So um, 
Uh, we have a Facebook page, a Native Lens Film Fest uh, Facebook page, and um, we also in close uh, connection with Dreamcast Theater. So that's like a physical space here uh, that we get to connect with our, our filmmakers, our young filmmakers, or any filmmakers interested at all, or storytellers. Um, we wanted to just make sure that, you know, it's, it's not just for young people. It's for anyone who has a story to tell, any storyteller who wants to share the stories on screen. So we wanted to be there as possible. So we're just here in, in, in Honiara. They can contact us through Facebook page mostly and our WhatsApp, but all our contacts are out there on Facebook, yeah. We wanted to reach out to the provinces too because that's where um, we want them to submit their stories. And it's very, um, I'm very happy to say that we have some interested submissions from the provinces, which is we never had that before. It's only mainly focused here in Honiara. But knowing that you know the province is willing to submit the stories, that's really good because next year we're looking at going out into the provinces as well to host uh, the mini film festivals in some of the provinces. Yeah. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, and if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Thank you, Tomas.